in the hobby. It's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking that we could pull, I don't know, Hall of Famer. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com. The only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. There is nothing more fun than opening an Arena Club slab pack. I mean, it is so much better than any mystery pack that I've ever purchased because there is a focus on transparency. There is a display of available cards. There are hit rates you can get. When you're graded, you're given a rationale. It is the marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, and displaying. Arena Club Slab Packs are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your pulls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. You can have them officially graded by Arena Club. The Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent, with a full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. Whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform you have to check out. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash badmoney. Wow, that's a crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack, that's $40 right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash badmoney for 10% off your first purchase. I love to track progress. As you guys know from listening to this show, I'm constantly tracking my progress. What have we done so far in 2024? And spring is in full bloom. Are your finances blooming too? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities for lower rates on loans like for a car or a home. You can use it everywhere Visa credit cards are accepted. That's right, you can build your credit using your own money. Get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. With a qualifying direct deposit, you can get access to your money sooner. Fee-free overdraft with SpotMe. Overdraft up to $200 without fees with SpotMe when you set up a qualified direct deposit. Just set up a qualifying direct deposit, sign up for SpotMe, and Chime will spot you up to your limit when you make a credit card purchase or cash withdrawal that exceeds your balance. Access 60,000 plus fee-free ATMs. That's more than the top three national banks combined. Easily find one near you with the Chime app. Send and receive money. Use Chime to pay anyone, Chime members or not, and cash out your money fee-free. With Chime's secure credit card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started at Chime.com slash bad money. That's Chime.com slash bad money. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. You got problems that you ought to be concerned with. Moolah! You don't know how you're supposed to earn it or what to do with it or how to keep it. You're a freak with a dark, shameful secret. But you're not the only one. Get your hidden financial fears with a blast of sun. Now your healing has begun. It's Bad With Money with Gabby Dunn. Hello and welcome to this week's Bad With Money mailbag episode. I'm Gabby Dunn, your host... Did you check out this week's episode about fast fashion with activist Elizabeth L. Klein and actress Jessica Nicole? If you didn't, you should. 
I learned how to manage my wardrobe in a way that allows me to reduce the amount of clothing waste I put out into the world. We also talked about garment workers' rights and environmental impacts of fast fashion. So please go give it a listen. It's kind of one of my favorite episodes that we've done. Super, super informative. On today's mailbag show, we're going to cover Kellogg's, which has been super in the news and not for its strawberry Pop-Tarts, but for its decision to permanently replace all of its striking workers. It's horrible, 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 horrible. We're going to talk about it. Then we're going to talk about the Amazon workers who died in an Illinois warehouse and Jeff Bezos's non-reaction to it because he is removed from human feelings, I assume, by all his billion dollars. Then we're going to be talking all about the Supreme Court leaning in favor of requiring funding for some religious schools. This is a topic that our producer Lindsay brought to my attention, so we're going to talk about that. Then later I will read your emails. There's actually a ton of emails. It is going to mostly be emails. Give you a new list of patrons and also listen to a voice memo. Ooh. Okay, so let's get into it. Okay, so what's going on with Kellogg's is basically that the workers were going to strike because they had failed to reach a contract with the union. And then Kellogg's was just like, fine, we'll permanently replace all of you. So all these workers walked off the job across four cereal plants in Michigan, Nebraska, Pennsylvania, and Tennessee. And they just wanted like a 3% wage hike. And Kellogg said, no. And so a lot of people now are boycotting Kellogg's products. Biden commented on it. Bernie Sanders is going to head a Michigan rally to stand beside the Kellogg's workers. They've been on strike basically since October 5th. And Kellogg's decided that their response was literally to replace everyone. Now, we are currently in a labor shortage. So I'm not entirely sure how they're going to find 1,400 Kellogg's workers in four states. But um, yeah, there's a Business Insider article. There's also a Quartz article about it. I'll link below. This is setting a very bad precedent because if if these companies think that they can just replace workers, one, I don't know that they could. And two, why not just listen to your employees' demands? Bernie Sanders' official comment on it was that Kellogg's is, quote, the new poster child for corporate greed. The company, according to Business Insider, reported an operating profit of $1.4 billion over the last year. So they've actually made 3.4% more money in the last year than they have in previous years. And they still don't want to pay people. You know, obviously corporations are only interested in the back end. We know this, but this is like really, really mask off where they're just like, we don't care. So if you can stand with the boycott, that would be incredibly helpful to these people. Give it a read and see if there's any sort of rallies happening near you. They kind of need all the support they can get because this might seem like it's just Kellogg's, but it is something that could happen in more companies and it's a terrible, terrible precedent and it's really dangerous and really worrying. You know, people are looking for work, but they want to be treated like human beings. Is that so hard? Speaking of, there was a horrible tragedy in an Illinois warehouse that was hit by a tornado last week. At least six Amazon employees were killed. Basically, from what the workers were texting, one man in particular texting his wife, 
Amazon was not letting them go home, even though there was a tornado warning. Um, it's really, really awful. And it took Jeff Bezos too long to respond. And before he did respond, he posted something like cheering on the other Amazon workers, kind of trying to make it seem like Amazon is a good place to work. The tragedy happened in Edwardsville. He did finally respond and say that Amazon will be supporting them through this crisis. I, it was too little, too late, and also just, it, it just didn't show care for the human beings that are behind the packages that we get. And, you know, sometimes, it, as Jessica and Nicole said in our Fast Fashion episode this week, you forget that there are human hands behind all of these things. And so, you know, we knew that to be a billionaire, you had to have a sort of strong remove from humanity because you don't get to that place without exploiting people. But this is just a really obvious look at the way in which Amazon does treat people. My heart goes out to all the people who lost loved ones. They're still searching for workers who are inside the building. It's gone from, according to the New York Post, from search and recovery to search and rescue, saying that there probably aren't any more survivors. So if you want to read more about this and about the people who were killed, there's a lot of information in the New York Post, but there's also probably information in local Illinois papers. I tend to, when a tragedy happens, like to stick with the local papers for that state and support them. So I think we should keep in mind who is behind the ease and convenience that we have grown accustomed to through tech. And I think probably a lot of these people are putting out GoFundMes or putting out calls for for help. So if you can locate those, I'll I'll put I'll, if I find any, I'll put them in the description. In a moment, we're going to return to discuss the Supreme Court and public funding for religious schools, and then we'll also go over your emails. Which there's a lot of emails, so just uh, gear up for many many emails when we get back. We are back, and this is an LA Times article that is titled, Supreme Court Leans in Favor of Requiring Taxpayer Funding for Some Religious Schools. So the Supreme Court is getting ready for Carson versus Macon, and it is, according to the LA Times, testing the line between church and state. Basically, it's about these Montana parents who are seeking a state scholarship to send their child to a Christian school. There's also a case in Maine that the LA Times says centers on whether the state can refuse to pay for Christian schools for students who live in rural communities that don't have a public high school. For the last 40 years, the state has said that it will pay the cost to send children to private school, just not one that is affiliated with a church or that teaches religion. I tend to agree with this. I think that it's not religious discrimination. It's maintaining church and state taxpayers, you are able to send your children to free public secular schools. That's what you're promised. And if we want to stay within the bounds of church and state, I think we have to keep that. Now, am I a constitutional scholar? Am I a constitutional literalist? No. I think the Constitution has a lot of room to be renegotiated. 
But I don't know. Our taxes pay for a lot of stuff that we don't agree with. So I have a feeling this might go through. Okay, now I'm going to read your emails. There are tons of them. So gear up. This is an email from Marty. It says, hey, Gabby, I'm Marty, they, them. And I've had this question in the back of my head for a while now. I'm an Eastern European immigrant to the UK and I moved in 2019. It was very difficult for me to find a job since I was freshly out of high school with no connections and no real work experience. So I basically applied to every ad. Because of that, I started freelance working for a very fishy company. Many people were immigrants of color or from Eastern Europe or English people who didn't go to college, 11th and 12th grade. The work itself was door-to-door sales and it was advertisement for legit companies like HelloFresh, Shell Energy, and others. You got half the money paid for the advertisement and half went to the ad company. If you were good with people, you could make money. The problem comes from the way the company operated. First, you entered as a recruit under your leader's wing. Okay, aside from Gabby, already a red flag. Then if you made enough sales per week, you could become a leader and be assigned a recruit. If after you got enough recruits and leaders, you could start building your own ad company supported by the people above you and so on it went. I'm fascinated by MLMs and why they are legal, so I immediately clocked that. But the job gave me the opportunity to work on my language skills and to travel a lot, so I stayed for two months and then quit. Second, the work culture was extremely culty. It was full of toxic positivity and to make good numbers, you were advised to work 11 hours per day, six days a week. I went home exhausted and didn't have time to talk with my flatmates, never mind make any friends outside of work. Then there were team building nights every week, oh no, to eat up more of your free time. This is a huge red flag. It basically isolated you and forced you to only be friends with your coworkers who wouldn't have time to hang out with you if you quit. Many people who worked there for a longer time even lived together, which was encouraged. Cult, cult, cult. I'm chanting cult. All in all, there were people who made good money. However, the business model and the culture were extremely suspicious. I've had normal jobs since then and am currently in uni, so I'm okay, but I haven't met anyone with similar experience and I'm honestly not sure how to categorize it. Was I in an MLM? Would love to hear your thoughts or if you or anyone else knows people who've encountered that type of thing. As an end note, I love the show and I always recommend it to people when they ask for podcast recs. Really opened my eyes to how personal finance can be actually interesting. And sorry for any mistakes. English is my second language and I'm currently very tired. Best wishes, Marty. Your English was great. Yes, I'm sure this is a common situation. If you have had this experience or if you're currently having this experience, snap out of it. No, it's not that easy. So yes, I'm glad that Sarah Edmondson and Nippy Ames and Roberta Blevins were able to open our eyes to a lot of these red flags in our Colts and MLMs episode. Okay, this is an email from Stephanie. Hi, Gabby and Bad With Money team. I'm writing about the November episode on fire. I've been a member of this movement for the last couple decades, ever since I read Your Money or Your Life by Vicki Robin. I'm female and work as an economist, so not a tech bro by any stretch. I grew up with a lot of privilege in a family where money was used as a means of manipulating people and also where, in a lot of ways, income was considered to reflect someone's value as a human. So from a young age, I was very interested in saving money, becoming financially independent from my parents, and being able to make whatever decisions I wanted about my life and career. The FIRE movement has helped me so much. First, by reading many FIRE and other personal finance blogs, I've learned about tax optimization strategies that have had a massive impact on my net worth. Sure, it's mostly rich people who use strategies to save on taxes, but anyone with income can use IRAs, just to pick one example. Most people in the U.S. should max out tax advantage accounts before they even consider investing in regular brokerage accounts at Robinhood and the like. This I agree with, as as Gabby. Second, the FIRE movement has helped me clarify my thinking and bring intentionality to how I spend money. After reading about how expense tracking helped so many people save more just by paying attention to where their money was going, I finally started doing my own tracking. 
What do you know? It worked for me too. I also started a year-end financial review where I make a savings and investing plan for the coming year, and then throughout the year, I can monitor my progress. Third, the FIRE movement has led me to think more deeply about what I value and what will help me lead a happy life. Sometimes this causes me to spend more money, and that's a good thing. I really don't care if good ideas about money come from some dude I would never spend time with in real life. Nobody has a monopoly on good ideas, and I think everyone listening to your show should steal all the good stuff from FIRE and use it for themselves. Stephanie in Brooklyn. Thank you, Stephanie. We were a little bit nervous about fire in that episode. Thank you for this positive story. Okay. Now I'm going to break this up with a voice memo from a listener. Yay. This was someone I sort of bullied into sending their <laughs> their voice memo because they said in the Discord they were going to send it and then they hadn't sent it yet. And I replied to them and said, send me your voice memo. So they finally did it. Hi, Gabby. My name is Kayla. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm a longtime listener of Bad With Money. I'm so glad that you did the MLM episode. I've been meaning to write to you for a while about how the heck do people pay for things like acting school or any sort of arts performing arts training if they don't come from money. I don't understand still. And your episode made me realize that I'm in a pretty vulnerable position to be recruited by an MLM, but I won't do it. I promise I will stay far away. But it is tempting because, you know, I am at a full-time conservatory right now that's two and a half years. It's run by a reputable theater company in New York City, and it's not eligible for federal student loans. So I have to pay tuition out of pocket alongside rent, insurance, food, you name it. And I already had to defer my second year because of COVID and job loss. So I spent a whole year, you know, saving money for tuition. And now I'm back and I only have two semesters left, but I am still coming up short on all of my living expenses. And I, I don't understand how people are doing it. I'm working three jobs. I couldn't make more money that way right now if I wanted to. Maybe other people are getting help from their parents or from a spouse or a romantic partner, but I have a disabled parent. I didn't really come from money, and I actually did have a long-term boyfriend who was going to help me pay for all of this, but he left me during my first semester of school, so that's not an option either. I wish people talked about this more, about how inaccessible it is. And actually, my school did do a diversity, equity, inclusion, and access workshop in the fall. And I mentioned this, and the facilitator asked me to identify how the school could help, besides just giving me more scholarship money. If you have any ideas, or if your listeners have any ideas about what I can be asking the school to help for, maybe I could ask for them to help with the meal voucher, or to cover Metro cards, something like that, because I can't possibly be the only student who's struggling to pay for all of it. So yeah, if you have ideas, send them along. I would love to hear them. Help, help, help. I don't want to be in an MLM. Yes, that is a question that I've had for a long time. And when I first came to Los Angeles, I really also had that question, even in New York, when I lived in New York right before, because When I got here, I thought of myself as not doing as much as other people. I was like, I must be lazy. I must be sleeping too much, which uh, is problematic. I was like, I 
I clearly am not working as hard as people. And then once I realized that people's parents were helping them and once I realized that people came from money and once I realized that people were like paying for, like you said, classes or, or things that were advancing their careers, my mind exploded. I suddenly had perspective on how much of a leg up other people have. So, I mean, if you've read my book, you know that I pawned jewelry and sold clothes and sold electronics of mine. Um, not ideal, but also like doable. I mean, I've talked about this on my other podcast, Just Between Us, and maybe less so here, but you know, I was doing sex work. Like, I think like there's a lot of stuff that people don't want to talk about. And this is also going to come up in a, maybe a future episode of JBU because we have an episode coming up about side hustles. And the reality is that a lot of people are doing sex work. I'm not like shilling for it here, recommending it or anything, but obviously the rise of OnlyFans has shown that people need money and want to work from home. So yes, there are other options other than joining an MLM. Please do not join an MLM. I mean, look, I've done dumb stuff. I uh, This year, I thought if I downloaded an app that let you play bingo, no, it was Blackjack. I was like, I'm going to make money on this Blackjack app. People... <laughs> Get sucked into all kinds of things. So I appreciate this message. If anyone has any ideas, please write in for this person. But also, yes, it is sort of shocking when you realize how much of a leg up people with money have, especially in the entertainment industry. Okay, I'm going to read one more email because I realized there's too many emails. So if I didn't get to yours, I'll get to it next week. This is an email from Ashley. Hello, Gabby. Just wanted to tell you a bit about what's happening in New Jersey for college plans in 2022. The governor of New Jersey, Phil Murphy, pushed for some reforms to New Jersey's 529 plans. We talked about 529 plans in our episode with Patricia Roberts. New Jersey state schools have some of the highest in-state tuition in the nation. Even the community colleges are 5K a year. Before 2022, 529s for NJ residents were not deductible at the state level for New Jersey income taxes. Starting in 2022, they will be, which will be a fairly decent deduction of up to 10K, depending on how much people put in. Families who make under 75K will also be eligible for a $750 matching grant for their 529 plan. Also, if you contribute to a 529 for many years, the state gives you an additional scholarship. Murphy also started a free community college tuition program for families making under 65K. It's not enough, but it's a start. New Jersey has many systematic financial and corruption problems, but under Murphy, it's been better. I lived through the Chris Christie years and that Trump wannabe that never did anything for lower middle class people of my state. <laughs> Love your show, Ashley. Wow, amazing. If you're in New Jersey, this is very helpful for you. But also I imagine other states have similar things. So if you're from another state and you have that, or if you have updates on how someone can take advantage of 529 plans in your state, please write in. Also, there's a Bad With Money Facebook page, which I will link to in the description too. This is a comment from the Facebook page from Daniel Lee. It was in response to my posting about the Colts and MLMs episode. Daniel said, hyped for this one. My career has been fine since the lockdown, but I know several friends who got into MLMs and are struggling. Sad face. Yes, that is why we did that episode. Thank you, Daniel. Okay, this episode has gotten too long. I'm sorry. We're a little backed up. I'll read the rest of the emails next week. I promise. One last thing, here's a shout out to my new patrons, M, Gailey, Zadok, Sally, Michael, Victoria. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Patreon.com slash Gabby Dunn. 
And you can email me at gabbyisbadwithmoney at gmail.com or leave me a voicemail, 844-474-4040. You can also email me a voice memo if you prefer. Be on the lookout for next week's episode with author and entrepreneur Grace Bonney and financial activist Dasha Kennedy. Oh, and don't forget to listen to the show the day it drops so we can get on the charts and spread the word. Please leave an Apple review of five stars. We didn't get to those today, but leaving an Apple review with five stars really, really helps. And I'll read them next time if you leave one today. Also, there's a Discord server, which I will link to in the description. You guys on there talked so much about MLMs. I can't read them all here, but if you head over to the Discord, you can join in on the conversation. Okay, I love you. Bye. Done.